everybody loves a good story, right? The story has the power to um, transport us to a different time, a different place. Stories can stir up all kinds of emotions within us. Some make us laugh and have a good time, bring joy into our life. Some make us sad, cause us to cry. Some stories even make us angry. Ever walk out of a movie theater mad at what you just watched? Stories can make us think. They can drive home a point. They can help us understand things that are more difficult for us. Stories tend to be easy to remember. They tend to linger on. They make a point and, and stick with us for a while. You know, God is a storyteller. Almost half of the Bible is written as a narrative, meaning a story. We learn about God and who he is and, and his people through the telling of story. Jesus was a master at telling stories. He would use stories to get people's attention, to help them understand the things of God and God's kingdom. And these stories are called parables. In Matthew 13, verses 34 and 35, it says, Jesus always used stories and illustrations like these when speaking to the crowds. In fact, he never spoke to them without using such parables. This fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet. I will speak to you in parables. I will explain things hidden since the creation of the world. So Jesus would use parables and stories and illustrations to reveal things about God and his kingdom. These stories that Jesus told left a mark on the people who heard them. People were left thinking about what they just heard. Some of them trying to guess and figure out what Jesus might be talking about. Some of them walked away being very confused. Some of them walked away angry because of what Jesus had just said. They didn't like what they heard. Some walked away deeply touched and moved and inspired. These stories weren't very fleeting from them. They stuck around. Imagine the farmers who were there when Jesus told the parable of the sower scattering seed. You would think every spring after that, when they'd get ready to plant, they would gather their seed and go out and start to spread it. And I imagine their mind would just go back to that story they heard Jesus tell. You see, stories lingered around in the minds of people, of those who heard them. That's the power of a story. So over the next month, the next four weeks, we're going to look at some of these stories that Jesus told. We're going to sit at the feet of Jesus and try to learn from his teaching. Now, to get us prepared for that, we're going to just talk about parables in general. So today... We're just going to lay the foundation for the next four weeks. This kind of is just going to get us started thinking this way. It's going to set the stage for for the parables we'll talk about 
in the upcoming weeks. Today we're going to answer three questions. What is a parable? Why did Jesus use parables? And then how do we interpret parables? Those are the three questions we're going to answer today to set the stage for us throughout the rest of this month. So first, what is a parable? One of the most common definitions that you may be familiar with or maybe you have heard before is that it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. That's, that's a fairly common um, definition for a parable. Some define it as a fictitious story that has a moral or a spiritual lesson. That's another fairly common definitions were. And those sound nice, but I feel like they're lacking. I believe they were lacking. Because a parable is much more than an earthly story or even a fictitious story with a heavenly meaning or a, or a religious lesson. The Greek meaning of the word that we have translated parable actually means to cast alongside, to place alongside. So to place or to throw, to cast something right next to something else. So they're side by side, parallel. It really is a comparison. Now, little English lesson for us today. The two most common um, things for comparison is a simile and a metaphor. And so throughout the parables, we'll, we'll see some similes and metaphors. Jesus is great at putting something alongside the other. He's great at taking this difficult concept and placing it alongside something familiar. A parable can be much more than comparison, though. It could be a short little saying or a maxim. It could be a proverb and sometimes even a riddle. In the Old Testament, when we see parables in the Old Testament, a lot of times they come in the form of a parable. They can even be an allegory. Now we need to be careful when we use that word to describe a parable because people in the past have, have used allegory to interpret the parables. And it's, we'll talk about that when we answer the question, how do we interpret the parables? But an allegory is pretty much you say one thing, but you mean something else. And sure, Jesus does that. He, he says something with a different, different meaning. And so they can be an allegory. But like I said, we'll talk about that more in just a minute. But for today and throughout this series, we're not going to try to develop some short, concise, nice and neat little definition for a parable I want to keep it open. I want to keep it more broad because because it really is more than just a simple definition. The main thing I want you to get is that a parable is more than an earthly story or fictitious story that Jesus told to reveal some of the mysteries of the kingdom. Jesus uses many other literary devices to cast his truths alongside something familiar. And so we hear Jesus say, the kingdom of God is like, see that comparison there, or the word of God is like. Sometimes he just breaks 
out into his story. There once was a rich man who dressed in fine linen. Sounds like a great start to the story, doesn't it? Sometimes he just introduces a couple characters. A priest and a tax collector go to the temple. Sounds like the beginnings of a bad joke, right? Two priests and a rabbi walk into the bar. You heard that one, right? Sometimes Jesus would answer a question by going into one of these stories. When asked, who is my neighbor? He then tells the story that we know is the Good Samaritan. He will sometimes just ask a simple question or make a statement like a proverb or a maxim. If the blind can't lead the blind, they'll just end up in the ditch. That is a parable, an illustration. You see, Jesus doesn't just tell an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. There's much more to this. A parable is much more than this. And so this is how we're going to look at the parables throughout the next four weeks. Not just an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, but we're going to open that up broader to include some of these other things. And so that's the first question. The next question is this. Why did Jesus use parables? Well, we're not the first people to ask this question. In Matthew 13.10, his disciples came and asked him, why do you use parables when you talk to the people? You see, it must have been something different, something they weren't necessarily used to. So they asked him, Jesus, why do you you talk this way? Why do you use these stories and these little sayings and these examples? And Jesus answered them. If you go on to read there, he tells them he actually speaks in parables to kind of separate two groups of people. He, he, He separates those who are who are open and are willing to hear and are willing to listen from those who are kind of closed off. And maybe their hearts aren't prepared to to take in what he is saying. He's separating these two groups of people. Now we like to think that Jesus spoke in parables in order for the average person to understand the things of God. We, We like to think that Once Jesus said his parables, the people walked away with a really clear understanding about what he said. That's not necessarily the case. A lot of times they they walked away confused and wanting to ask more questions. And in fact, we often see that Jesus even has to explain the parables to his own disciples, those who are closest to him. And so sometimes he uses a, a parable as a veil to conceal the things of God. You see, it's more of just telling a story. It's a much deeper issue here. Jesus does want people to understand the kingdom of God. He does want that. But he also knows the people's hearts. Are they prepared to, to get that teaching? And Jesus realizes that some people are not prepared for that. And so he keeps it from them. Look at Look at how Mark says it in Mark chapter 4, verses 10 through 12. Later, when Jesus was alone with the 12 disciples and with the others who were gathered around, they asked him what the parables meant because they, they didn't understand. He replied, You are permitted to understand the secret of the kingdom of God, but I use parables for everything I say to outsiders so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. When they see what I do, they will learn nothing. 
when they hear what I say, they will not understand. Otherwise, they would turn to me and be forgiven. That's a hard verse, right? I mean, it seems like Jesus is, is keeping the outsiders on the outside. He's not welcoming them in to, to understand the kingdom and the, the secrets of, of God. It seems like one of the reasons that Jesus uses a parable is to keep those who have a hard heart from understanding what he's talking about. He, he used he used parables to keep them confused. He didn't want them to get it. This doesn't sit well with us. This isn't the Jesus that we like to know and love. <laughs> this is a, an act of judgment while he was on the earth. You see, the purpose of a modern day sermon, what, what we do here every Sunday, is to present a clear message so that Anybody and everybody can understand what we're saying. And even those on the outside, maybe they will understand it. And they will begin to be convinced that it's true and will eventually make a commitment to follow Jesus. See, we want, we want the outsiders to come in, but Jesus didn't seem to necessarily be concerned about that. There are times when Jesus wanted people to have a better understanding, but there are times when he wanted to conceal the truth, and keep those on the outside confused. He doesn't want to share the mysteries of heaven with these people. And like I said, this is an act of judgment. And he is fully able to do this. He is God. There are times when Jesus chooses to use a parable to keep those on the outside from understanding. But that's not always the case. Another reason Jesus spoke in parables may have to do with the cultural climate of that day. You see, Jesus had many opponents who were trying to trap him and trick him. And so a lot of times he would use a parable to kind of throw them off. Maybe they would come to him with a question to try to get him this time. Oh, we got him trapped. He won't be able to answer. And he ends up telling this story and they don't know what to do. They, they, they don't know how to handle it. You see, they didn't like all the attention that Jesus was getting. They didn't like the things he was saying. They didn't like the fact that they weren't following their rules. All the, all the different rules that Jewish leaders had established on top of what God required. So Jesus would use a parable in defense of all that to navigate those things. There were numerous times in, in the gospel story where Jesus' opponents would try to trick him and, and trap him. He would just tell them a story. There were also times when he would employ the use of a parable to disarm his opponents. Before they could even ask the question, he would lead in with a story and draw them in before they would even realize what was going on. And this isn't a tactic that's new. We actually see an example of this in the Old Testament. We see the prophet of Nathan use this tactic when confronting King David when when David needed to be confronted, David had stole someone else's wife and got her pregnant, then covered it up by sending her husband off to war to die. That's, that's King David. And the prophet Nathan has to go and confront him. And I mean, Can you imagine what that must have been like to go to the king and confront him with this huge 
moral failure. So Nathan decides to tell a story. He goes to King David and he says, look, there's this, this man who has all the sheep he ever wanted. He has this huge, beautiful flock of, of sheep. But his neighbor, he had this cute little lamb right on the other side of the fence. And that, and that wealthy man who had all those sheep, he noticed that lamb and he decided he wanted it for himself. And so he goes over and he takes it and adds it to his flock. And the man he took it through was left with nothing. All he ever had was that cute little lamb. Now he's left with nothing. And, and King David is furious. Who could do a thing like that? And he even cast down a judgment before he even realized that it, the story was about him. And Nathan goes, David, you're that man. You had everything you ever wanted. And if you wanted more, all you had to do was ask God for it. You saw that cute little thing over on the rooftop. You wanted it for yourself. You can read all about that in 2 Samuel chapter 12. This is a tactic that Jesus would use to disarm his opponents. He would lead in with a story. He would tell a story of an evil farmer and and everybody would be listening, and then all of a sudden the Jewish leader said, wait a second, is he talking about us? Is that us in that story? And they, they begin to realize it was. And that angered them even more. Wanted to kill him even more. And so Jesus would use parables to not only conceal truth sometimes, but also navigate his opponents in the cultural climate that he lived in. But he also used them to reveal truth. Not every parable is meant to conceal something or to navigate life. Some were meant to reveal things about God and God's kingdom. So we read some of the parables that that reveal to us things about serving others, about forgiveness, about obedience, about stewardship about being faithful, about trusting God, about being watchful. And and even some of them show us a picture of who God is. We see the character of God through them. And so they reveal things to us. But the crazy thing is, even though they reveal something, a lot of the people didn't get it. They had had to go and ask, what does that mean? So Jesus had to explain it. Oftentimes we would see him having to explain what he just said later on to his followers. Because a lot of times, and this is key, a lot of times the parable is not self-evident in their meaning. It was key back then, and it's going to be key for us. And that leads us to our third question we're going to answer. How do we interpret a parable? Because a lot of times a parable is not self-evident in its meaning. And in Mark 33:34, Jesus used many similar stories and illustrations to teach the people as much as they could understand. In fact, in his public ministry, he never taught without using parables. But afterward, he was alone with his disciples. He explained everything to them. So, because a parable is not necessarily self-evident in a meaning, we, we have to somehow interpret it and what it might mean. So, how do we do that? Well, this is a a more important issue to talk about than you might realize. 
I, I realize we know a lot about the parables. A lot of books have been written about them. A lot of sermons have been preached on them. We, we've studied them. We're familiar with the stories. We even reference a lot of the parables just in our, our everyday language. We talk about good Samaritans and um, things like that. We're really familiar with them. Some of them even seem self-explanatory. But the danger is there are a lot of different ways people have failed at interpreting the parables. Throughout all of history, all of Christian history, people have been trying to figure these things out and a lot of times getting them messed up. Some have taken an allegorical approach to interpreting the parables. And I, I mentioned this earlier, that parables, yes, they are allegories in the sense that Jesus is saying something and meaning something else. But, but people and scholars throughout history have taken that and, and applied different meanings to every little nuance of the story. And so when you have a parable, and maybe there's one or two main thoughts in that parable, they end up with like 20 because they, they turn it into an allegory. And so every little thing, every little character, every little name, every little place, every little object, all of a sudden has a different meaning. And so we have to be careful. This is dangerous. This is dangerous to interpret parables this way because what you choose to be a meaning for one thing, an object, may be different than what I choose. And so then you begin to, okay, we can kind of shape this to what we want it to mean. And we can kind of bend it to what we want it to mean. And then you end up having parables that support all kinds of different belief systems and different causes that, that people get behind and so this is a dangerous approach. It, it, it lends itself into having all these different meanings. Here, here are some things to remember as, as we talk about interpreting the parables. And this is the approach that we're going to take over the next four weeks as we study the parables together. The first thing is the parable is not an isolated story. It fits within a certain context. A lot of times the parable shows up in the middle of a conversation. It shows up in a certain specific situation. And so we can't just pluck out the parable and try to find meaning for it. We have to look at it within the complete context. That's the first thing. But along with that, we also have to look at the background. We have to kind of suspend our Western modern-day thinking and go back to first century and put ourselves there. What was it like for the people to hear that parable when Jesus said it? What was it, what was it like? What was the environment like? What was the people like? How did they treat each other? So we have to kind of suspend where we're at and go back in time to ancient days, to first century Palestine. And so, so that's the first thing to remember. What's the context? What's the background? Now, I'll just clue you in. This is a good practice in interpreting any scripture, not just parables. Okay, this is this is interpretation of any any scripture. We're just focusing in on the parables. Once we do that, we got to look for the main thought that Jesus is teaching. What is Jesus trying to convey to his audience? Now, a lot of scholars believe that there's only one main point in a parable. Okay, so they've gone the opposite way of. Of the, the allegory where there could be 20, 
they've gone down to one. And there are a lot of parables that just have one main point. Now, there, we find parables that might have two or three, but then again, we've got to be careful we don't start adding more points that aren't actually there. And so, so there may be one point or a couple points that we need to look for. What is Jesus, his main principle? What is he trying to say? Here's a little trick in doing this. It's, it's, it's actually kind of fun. Look for the absurd. Look for the absurd in what Jesus is saying. Look for the things that seem crazy. It's like he must be out of his mind. That's not how the world works. Look for the thing that just doesn't seem to fit. And that's probably where you're going to find that one main point, or maybe a couple points. All the parables have this element to them. Uh, Jesus tells the, the story of the Pharisee and the tax collector that goes to the temple to pray. And, and everyone who's sitting there listening to that, they, they think the Pharisee is the hero of the story. They want to be like him. They want to follow his example. They lift him up. And they think the tax collector is the villain of the story. He's bad. He's a sinner. Boo, hiss, him. But what does Jesus do? He flips the script to where the tax collector actually becomes the hero and the Pharisee becomes the villain. The tax collector is justified before God and he's exalted and lifted up and the Pharisee is knocked off his pedestal and humbled in humility before God. That's absurd, right? So that's what you begin to look for in the parables. What about the lost sheep? Who in their right mind would leave 99 sheep out there to fend for themselves, exposed to the elements, exposed to predators, even the possibility of them all wandering off together to go look for one missing sheep? It's absurd. What about the workers in the field? The farmer goes to hire day laborers, and he hires some men early in the morning and agrees to pay them a certain wage. Well, he needs more workers, so he goes back later. He finds he needs more workers, so he goes back. There's, there's workers that only work an hour that day. And those workers who only work that last hour, they get paid the same as the ones who work the full day's work. That's absurd. So, so as we begin to study the parables, we're going to look for the absurd try to find what Jesus might be getting at. Look for these things. This is where you'll probably find the true meaning. Jesus just turns things on his head. It's like, like a, a huge plot twist in a, the books we read or the movies we watch on the big screen. I love a good plot twist, right? M. Night Shyamalan's famous for plot twists. I love it. So after we have done all this, after we have looked at the context and, and gone back in time and, and, and asked ourselves, what's the absurd? What, what is Jesus getting at? That's when we bring it back to where we are today. That's where we look for the application of what, what God might be trying to teach us today through this parable. So you have to, to look at the context and find the principle to bring back to today. And this is what we're going to do with the parables in the next four weeks. And I realize we may be familiar with these stories because we've heard them all before. Um, maybe we think we don't need to, to study the parables another time uh, or 
look deeper into them. We might feel like we have a pretty good handle on them. I want to invite you to join me in the next four weeks as we begin to look at some of these parables, as we begin to sit at Jesus' feet, try to learn something that he might be trying to teach us. Let's sit at Jesus' feet with fresh ears. Let's listen with fresh ears. Try to dig a little deeper into understanding the things of God and the kingdom of God. So join me as we sit at Jesus' feet in the next four weeks. Please stand.